Thanksgiving from the Pup Sports Podcast, and we're bringing you an episode today with uh, none other than my brother, and uh, pretty cool to be able to sit down with him again uh, live in studio this time, uh, or I shouldn't even say live because of the fact that it was recorded yesterday. But uh, before we get to that, had the privilege of having our turkey bowl, and uh, that was a good time. Got opportunity to be out there on the field at prep again, and uh, have a lot of alums play in that game as well. I mean, guys like Nick Lanou, Jared Sonneborn, uh, Andrew Lanou, uh, also another another Lanou playing out there. Uh, Hunter McKenna, Connor McKenna, uh, Ryan McKenna, who's still you know going to prep right now. Um, we had guys like Stephen Ferraro, Pat Richard, uh, Liam Bell. Uh, let's see who else was there. Matthew Delgado. Um, so those are just to name a few. Oh, Danny, please. And then, uh, yeah, it was it was just a really good time. And then my brother was out there uh, throwing dimes uh, all around the field. So it was a lot of fun just to be able to kind of get out there and laugh, run around, and be around people that I'm truly thankful for. I mean, I look at formative times in my life and the people that were surrounded, you know, during that time. And it was a lot of those guys that I was out there on the football field with today. So just be able to see them, ask them how they're doing and, you know, have something that brought us together, not only it being prep, but football. So what an enjoyable time. Really thankful for that. Love each and every one of those guys that came out and played with us today. And for all of us except Jack Bamus, we walked away uh, injury-free. So knock on wood for another successful year in that regard. Uh, Jack, if you're out there, hope the hamstring heals up there, buddy. Was uh, disappointed to see that play number one, you went down with the pulled hamstring. So um, but in addition to that, and before I get to the episode with my brother, I had a really nice compliment paid to me uh, by Liam Bell's dad. And uh, he came up to me and said how thankful he was that I was doing this podcast and how cool he thought it was. And, you know, after I started down the road of saying, you know, how thankful I was that Liam was willing to do an episode and open up on the episode about, you know, the trials and tribulations of his time beyond prep and, you know, things that he pulled from during his prep times, he kind of, you know, made sure that I realized the reason why he was bringing it up was not, thanks for giving my my son an opportunity to be interviewed and be on the show. It was, thank you for doing it, because if you weren't doing it, we don't know who else would be doing it. And uh, that, that made me feel good, and it made me feel like there's a purpose for doing this. And so, I'm thankful for people like the Bells out there that, you know, are part of the prep community and really deeply do care about the prep community. And it was just fun to have him out there too. He was the only dad that came, but he was out there watching us play and providing some commentary and just fun, fun to, you know, another person to join in the laughs. Now, um, one last thing that I'm truly thankful for, it's, you know, my brother ended up losing his playoff game and, it allotted him the ability to come up here for uh, Thanksgiving and spend time with family. And though I'm really bummed that he lost that game and isn't playing for the state semis um, this week, you know, I'm thankful to have him. And I'm thankful that, you know, you can have a sibling that you can sit down and talk with for an hour about football, about life, and again, have similar things that shaped him and shaped me, not only family, but a community um, that is Gonzaga Prep. And so thank you to my brother. Thank you to my family. And uh, love that guy dearly. And uh, I really think you'll enjoy part two of him being back on the show. 
And uh, this one's for you, Granos. Welcome into the Pup Sports Podcast, and we've got a special show for you today because in honor of Thanksgiving, we have some family members that have come back to visit, and uh, one included that we've had in the podcast before, none other than uh, alumni of 2004 from Gonzaga Prep and uh, OC down in Florida, coming off of a great playoff run, Grant Alford in Studio B, made the trip up to Spokane. How you doing, Granos? It's quite the intro. Appreciate uh, appreciate the hospitality here in Studio B. Didn't realize that Studio B also meant Studio Zero Degrees Celsius. So Yeah, a little bit chillier down in Studio <laughs> B, uh, mainly because of the fact that it is a basement. That's why we call it Studio B. So yeah. you're, you're helping us pull back the curtain for our audience. Why we call it Studio <laughs> B is because of the fact that uh, it's in the basement, therefore it is Studio B. Yeah. Uh, so I want to get started with this. I'm really curious. You come off a great run in the playoffs, and uh, things don't go your way, and I was really bummed because, well, let's give this backstory first. If you would have won last week, you wouldn't have come back for Thanksgiving. So there was a part of me that was really hopeful that you would win because what that would have meant for your team and your coaching career, but at the same time, you lost and allowed you to come back up here and enjoy Thanksgiving with the family. But uh, what was it? How far did you guys make it in the playoffs? Well, in the state of Florida, they do regionals first, and then they do state semi and state final. So there are three rounds in the regionals. We made it as far as the regional final, so that would be equivalent to like the state quarters up here. Okay. And we were in 6A football down there. It goes up to 8A for the highest classification, starting at 1A. Um, and we play in the Tampa Bay region. So it actually was a really good year. It was the farthest we've ever gone. <clears throat> we just ran into a buzzsaw. Yeah, against Gaither High School, which is located uh, outside of Tampa. So um, it's a good year. Lost 41-7. That's not the way you want to end it. But uh, <laughs> all that being said, I was proud of the way our kids competed throughout the year and to be able to achieve a lot of firsts. Had a 2,000-yard rusher, had a quarterback that, if he didn't miss a couple games, probably would have ran for over 1,000. He definitely threw for over 1,000. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we had a really good year. It was uh, – it was a long, um, it was a long year for our kids because they're not used to playing that long. Yeah, Late November. Like I know Gonzaga Prep kids are usually used to playing for a very long time because that's what the expectation is. At our school, it was like you know November first. All right, that was it. Beat Leesburg. Move on to the <laughs> moving on to the off season. Now we got two months off. Now maybe I'll try out for basketball. Yeah, turn in the gear. Uh, yeah, you know this is great. I get to be able to go home at three o'clock again. Yeah, uh, but exactly. I, what I'm really curious about is the, for the fact that when I was there, what was it, four games that you guys won in in a season? Was it three games? No, we won five. Okay, five that yeah. year. But it had been it's been a while since you guys have had a winning season, let alone one that which would play off. So since you've been there, it's our first win since I've been there. It's my okay. fourth year. Yeah. So first season was what? What was the record? One and nine. That's pretty bad. Uh, we uh, <clears throat> we were really young. We had a lot of young kids playing, and then just didn't have a ton of talent either. Uh, and then the second year, we went technically four. We went technically five and five, but we only actually won four games. One of the games didn't count because mm-hmm. they played an ineligible player. But the memories are there. <laughs> that was a loss. Uh, and then we went five and five for real this time. The year before, we kind of knew with the kids that we were having coming back. We got a couple transfers in that we had a really good shot at making a good run. 
Uh, if he told us before the beginning of the year that we were going to make it all the way to the regional finals, I think every coach would have been like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, and one in the district um, and all those things. So yeah, and, we're, and we should be only getting better because a lot more kids are wanting to come to the school uh, as incoming freshmen. And then, of course, you know, you always got the kids that are kind of, you know, oh, I, we're going to be moving. You know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> going to be moving to Lake Mineola? Sounds awesome. No, in all seriousness, a lot of it is just, they got a lot of kids that want to come and play for a good program. Yeah. And it's incoming freshmen and everything. So it really helps, um, you know, building a program where we want it. And we're doing it the right way. So, you know, hard work, kids showing up in the off season, you know level of commitment is there. Um, and you saw that coming into fruition this year, making it all the way to the regional finals. So it was a good year. Yeah. Great year. Okay. So recap real fast. You said one and nine first year, second year was five and five and four then, and six, five, five, however you want to look at it. Okay. And then five and five again. And then now, uh, we went nine and four, if you include the playoffs. So we went seven and three during the season. Okay. Won two playoff games, lost one. So nine and four. Okay. So that was, yeah, the best year our school's ever had. I mean, it's not even close. And uh, granted, the school's only been around since 2011, but it seemed like it was a lot longer based on how people would mention the team and everything. So mm -hmm. that was a good year. So kids for your senior class, where are they going? Because I know Devin Cole committed to... South Dakota State. Okay. That was our quarterback. quarterback. He's going to go as an athlete. So he'll probably play like a slot receiver up there. Okay. Um. And then, uh, actually, we have a couple of kids right now that are going on some uh, some unofficial visits, if you will, or running back. I just got word maybe going for an unofficial visit to University of Tennessee. Whoa. Which would be awesome. Got that call this morning. And then we have a defensive end that's getting looked at from some ACC schools, some SEC schools. Uh, Nick Campbell, he's only a sophomore. He's going to be a stud. Um, well, that's Christian Campbell's brother. Yeah, that's Christian Campbell. He played okay. linebacker for us last year. And his younger brother, who looks like his older brother, is okay. like six four, about two thirty. Mm -hmm. He's just a solid mass, two forty. Maybe he's he's gonna get big. And then um, a couple of our other skill guys are going to smaller schools, maybe some D one two A schools like a Mercer. Um, Jalen Williams uh, was getting offered at the beginning of the year by Western Kentucky, so I don't know if he's still going there or not. And then uh, we have some other kids too that are getting looked at. Oh, and Derek Graham, our left tackle who started there for three years he's probably going to go to troy state oh okay so Man, we had right. yeah we had some kids there's no question about it but i would say that the the majority of the team was just made up by kids who were in our program for three or four years and really just developed into some nice players and you know whether they put on a pair of pads in college or not they they definitely had a good run at their last year as seniors at the school so I know that usually it's tough and there's usually a fall off. I mean, prep kind of experienced that a little bit this year where you have a heavier senior class. Yeah, and 24 then, seniors. And then you come back the next year and you got to really rely on guys that are younger. Yeah. The guys that are coming in, uh, freshmen, sophomores, have they been guys that, you know, are young Devin Coles, young Christian Campbell's, young They have the capability Trent for Logan's. it. They have the capability for it. We have, you know, we just, it, we're losing guys in key spots. Like, yeah. for instance, we've lost... Uh, three offensive linemen mm -hmm. uh, for one of our guards rotated back and forth. But then, and then, you know, we lost our starting quarterback. He started there for three years. We lost uh, three over four starting wide receivers. We're going to lose our 2000 yard back on defense. We're losing some linebackers. We're losing some, actually our whole defensive front should be coming back next year. Maybe the exception of one or two, actually not all of them will. So that'd be good. Okay. Our secondary. Yeah. 
All four of our guys were seniors. So there's a lot of dudes we're going to have to replace. But the good news is our JV team went six and one. Oh. And, uh, and they were mostly all freshmen. So they're going to play a lot of sophomores. The key is just keeping them committed from January on. I bet you if you ask Coach McKenna, you'd say the same thing. It's You just got to keep them engaged all the way until they can kind of start seeing light in the tunnel, which is for us, spring football, when we actually play a spring game at the end of May. Um, but like I said, that's you know a lot easier said than done for some of our kids. But I think now that they've seen this is what hard work does for you, you get a banner in the gym for the first time ever, our district banner. You get to go to the regional final. You get to go visit some really cool places to go play some football games. We went down to Vero Beach this year, uh, which is uh, located on the Atlantic. Uh, we went uh, to uh, up to Jacksonville to play Fleming Island. And then we went uh, – uh, then we played like a really tough opponent in Vanguard that was also a regional finalist in 5A. So we played some really good opponents. And we got to travel around and see some things. Summertime, we get to go to all these college camps and stuff like that. So, yeah, our kids kind of got their eyes opened up a little bit that, you know, if you're part of a good program, these are some of the uh, things that you're afforded. Um, And these are all things that you've earned. But you have to earn that. And that starts in January. So we give the kids December off, you know, a little bit of Thanksgiving off now because of the fact we played so late. Mm -hmm. Or November, I mean. And then hit it back in January again. So, but with... I mean, with guys that uh, are coming back, I mean, it, you look at guys that you've had that have been their program guys for the past three years, and probably Prep can always attest to this, that you guys have, or they have guys that are committed, they know what the program's all about, they're all in, they're there from the beginning. Uh-huh. So guys that you have had that you've seen grow over the past three, four years that were good this year, guys coming in right now, or that are young right now, do they buy into that program? I mean, like, do you think that they, it's more than just, oh, we get to go travel. It's more like, no, we come out here and, like, we're, we're a winning team now. This is kind of fun to be a part of a winning program. I'll liken it this way. I think the majority of the kids will do that. I listened to your podcast with Liam. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Liam was mentioning that after they lost that playoff game, the way they lost, and that kind of just stuck a, had a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah. They kind of went right back at it and went again. Sometimes it's also class dependent. If you have a class that just kind of feels like we want to achieve more than just, you know, the standard run of things here at Lake Mineola or Gonzaga Prep or whatever school you're at, um, that sometimes kind of catapults itself into the following year because you have a special class. When I was at Shadow Park with Brett Rippon and uh, his class was like that. They organized their own seven-on-sevens. They organized their own off-season workouts. They, I mean, granted, we did, you know, lifting and stuff within mm-hmm. the rules, but they were the ones that got together in the park and threw the football around, and they did all that. And that was because I was class run. So even though us coaches were very committed, and you could see the program on the rise there a little bit for the time that we were there, um, I think it was very class-dependent in a lot of ways, too. And I think that's the same in any program. So it's not a shock that... Liam and that class had that mentality, and then lo and behold, they win the state title. Prep's a great program. They don't win the state title every year. Yeah. So to say that, uh, you know, well, you know, the kids just know that coming in. Yeah, I think to an extent they know that I have to work out at this time. I have to be here at this time. I have to be in this class at, during zero hour or whatever it is at prep. I remember when I went there it was zero hour. And then, uh, and then you know, and then you know, we we do some box jumps afterward and we just and we you know 
do some one tens, and you know we get a real good workout here. You know, while a guy blows a whistle from a guy who's quote not a coach. Yeah. Uh, all that being said, it's also the little things. So Devin's class, our quarterback, mm-hmm. his class was all into, hey, let's throw the ball more. Yeah. Practice ends. Hey, let's throw the ball a little bit afterward. Hey, coach, can you meet me on a Saturday and let's work on some footwork? Uh, the state of Florida is a little more lax when it comes to rules, how much you can work out with these guys and everything. So I don't want to say anything that would incriminate our program, but I would say that for the most part, everybody kind of works out in the off season. And like I said, you just get those kids that they just want a little bit more Mm -hmm. and you got to find the motivation too, man. Now, I don't know what motivates the kids at prep in 2019 besides winning, I would think number one. But you also get a lot of kids nowadays that get motivated because they want to go play at the next level. Well, you ain't going to do that if you just show up for the standard times that are required for you to show up. So the little extra work stuff Mm -hmm. pays off. That's one of the other reasons why we had a good year, because we had a lot of kids that want to play at the next level. And so when you have that kind of um, competition involved in your environment at the program, naturally that's going to show for more success during the season so so i mean with prep and i think it's so common when you look at their program as a whole and you look at their offensive defense not a lot changes i mean hts were in the same defensive scheme seems like forever you know as a player when he played there is up in all five stops in which he's come you know back and coached at prep and then you look at bob on the offensive side offense has stayed consistent the same all throughout no matter the talent that they've had or lack thereof it's always been the same thing and that's the prep way for you I think as a younger coach I've seen you evolve a little bit more of your offensive scheme um, now with different levels of talent where you've had talent these past three years and you know not say there'll be a drop-off for you in the next year but where there could be a little bit different talent does that change your offensive scheme or are you going to look to do basically the same thing that you were successful in doing this year so by mentioning your prep point, I would say the only thing that changes at prep are the fact that it went from leather helmets to Revo Speeds. <laughs> uh, that's helmet talk for those who are listening. I, uh, <laughs> and wearing Nike uniforms now. Or well, they, were, they wear Under Armour now, so it's kind of a bummer. Is prep doing that for yeah. a charity donation? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um, okay, well, either way. Uh, <laughs> everyone's allowed to be wrong once. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of people that are bummed that Nike. Yeah, has left. no, that doesn't. Okay, anyway, whatever. So, um, <laughs> yeah, take Kelly if you're take, take Kelly if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. We've had like an hour long conversation about how it's such a bummer that Nike is not the uniform for yes. prep anymore. Yeah, I hear all the kids always talk about how you know what I want to wear Steph Curry shoes. <laughs> um, anyway, so I would say that. Uh, we were talking about, oh, offensive scheme. I mm-hmm. <clears throat> So we put a lot, we ran the spread a little bit more toward yeah. the last couple of years. Had a quarterback who can scramble around, make plays, who's a dual mm-hmm. threat kid. He can also throw a little bit. Plus, we had kids who can catch the ball. Yeah. Um, that helped. We had two running backs over the last two years. Well, actually, we've had three running backs over the last three years that have been at the very uh, base minimum was 1,400 yard rushers. So Fred Jackson, who's playing at a junior college right now, he was mm-hmm. our first back. Ran His all highlight over the place. tape is awesome. Yeah, he was awesome. For those who haven't seen it, his name's Fred Jackson. Lake Mineola is really cool. There's a one that has a Pac-Man sound effect to him <laughs> when he runs. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and then uh, Chase Meinhart, who was our running back last year, was more of an in-between-the-tackles guy. He ran for 1,400 yards. Now he's playing lacrosse at a junior college because that's kind of his main sport. And then, obviously, Keondra McGlure, the kid we just had this year, ran over 2,000, state-leading rusher. Barely over 2,000. 2,000. Yeah, it was like 2,008 yards. or something like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> But I will say... 
that I'm a quarterback at heart and I love to throw the ball 40, 45 times, but I'm not an idiot. Yeah. If I have a great talent back there, running back, or maybe our offensive line is more uh, prone to do much better in the running game than the passing game, let's mm-hmm. say, or they have the ability to establish a will, I'm going to run the ball. Okay, but nowadays, so, is it tougher to run block or pass block? I'd say run block because okay. uh, I don't think the offensive line has developed the way that it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a really good offensive line coach, Coach Parham, at our school. He also our weight guy. Coach Parham. That's right. He's he's the man. He gets it done. <laughs> I would say that he, uh, you know, he the kids respect him. They work hard for him, and that's a, a big reason why you've seen that come into play during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've threw a lot of RPOs onto our runs. So for those who don't know, it's run pass option. I'm sure if you listen to Chris Collinsworth at nauseum on Sunday Night Football, you would know that. Um, even though he incorrectly states that multiple times. You think you're Chris Peterson. Sometimes it's just a play action. Like it's not an RPO. <laughs> Golly. Anyway, so <laughs> watch the offensive line. If they run block and they throw off, that's an RPO. If it's a pass block, it's just a pass. Yeah, you can usually tell why they tackle, It's called a right? PO. It's a pass option. So you can usually tell by, like, the tackle, right? Tell by the, yeah, outside tackles. A lot of times you can tell the line. Now, obviously, with zone scheme, they'll, not to get too X and O, but zone scheme, they're going to move a little more lateral. But they will work up field, obviously, because okay. they try to double up a lot. But if but, you look at uh, some of the stuff you see on the NFL, mm-hmm. when Chris Collinsworth in a sweater vest is repeatedly saying things like, you know, oh, Al, that's just a good old fashioned RPO. That's a horrible Chris Collinsworth. But I, <laughs> my point is, it's just like, it's all right, dude, it's not an RPO, man. That's just a screen. Like that's not, or yeah. this is a pass. Anyway, the point I'm making is we did a lot of RPO stuff. Mm-hmm. So we gave our quarterback options to just basically say, you know, forget the run play, just throw the ball. Yeah. Uh, and we ran bubbles and what we call now route or hot routes, but they're like now routes, one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. And uh, wait, how quick does that throw have to be? Because really you, quick. Because if you wait too long, linemen really go downfield, right? They you have three yards of of room. Okay, but our receivers are catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage, so it doesn't matter. That used to always be the biggest frustration of mine when, when we would play Ferris when Connor Holiday was there. Yeah. And they'd run those slip screens. Yep. I swear to God, they'd be more than three yards down the field. If the wide receiver catches the ball within three yards of the line of scrimmage, it's, okay. it's good. But teams like Ferris are always good about pushing the, the envelope a little yeah. bit. Anyway, so, or, and then, you know, we had a lot of power scheme behind it where we'd be pulling guards and stuff. And then our quarterback on top of that would read a dive key. Like what prep does, but not okay. running the veer. We kind of run like opposite. Okay. So the back would go opposite where the quarterback is reading. Oh, right. right. And uh, that's a tough offense to stop because you, if you have a quarterback who's a dual threat kid, and we're we're probably going to get another one next year, based on who's coming up, it's really hard to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to have an offensive line get to second level, and you got to have the execution, which our kids took a while. It's our first year kind of running it off of what we put in last year, so. Now with another year of doing it, it should help. Mm-hmm. But yeah, obviously your talent will dictate how you want to run things. Yeah, um, I'm not going to run five wide if I got one guy I can catch. Uh, I'm not going to run the ball a ton if my offensive line can't push people off the ball. So I'm not saying that's what we have, but I'm saying just year to year that will change. When yeah. Liam was taught, I just listened to his podcast, so yeah. I'm referencing a lot, driving from Tri-Cities. Uh, the thing that I heard Liam talk about was he's more of a pocket guy. So Bob and Mac and those guys on the opposite side of the ball. I was blown away by that. He would over 2,000 yards throwing. Football. Yeah, I mean, good coaches, even though you may have an identity, when prep has an identity of running the veer and running the option, et cetera, mm-hmm. you know, they don't run the eye anymore. They used to run that. They don't run the flex bone or the wishbone <laughs> or the dead tee. 
Uh, they don't run that anymore. Yeah. So they have clearly evolved. Yeah. But yes, the identity is the same. They want to run the option. That doesn't mean you can't throw. And I think that's what they did with Liam. I think that was a big reason why they made it to the state championship game. If they didn't have that balance or won the yeah. state title, mm-hmm. you got to have the threat of the big play. Um, so anyway, and that's kind of like with us, you got to be able to throw the ball. So <clears throat> we had a lot of fun this year. I think the mm-hmm. kids are bummed that the year is over because I think they wanted one more year in that offense. Yeah. Um, because I think we just kind of tapped the surface of what, or touched the surface of what we want to do. Um, anyway, so. But yeah, no, it was it was fun, and we got a lot of talent coming up, so we'll just see what we have. It seems reminiscent a little bit to me that junior year in which you coached Brett, Brett at Shadle. Yeah. So you had Nick Kirkus, you had Tanner Pauly, Skyler Kelly. Skyler Kelly. Yeah. And then that next year, not that the receivers weren't of quality, but you had Georgie, right? Yeah, Georgie was 6'6". Six, six. And then you, so, uh, but you lost Cam all three Duty. of those guys. And then, so you had basically you had Georgie, Cam Duty, and then... Uh, Jaden, uh, Jaden Nguyen. And um, oh, right. Sam Strat, Strat Cat. So, but that that was kind of a bummer because of the fact that you lost three guys that what you just talked about when you ran a lot of split or wide sets or like three, four wide. Yeah, we always ran sets, four or five wide a lot. Yeah, you got away with that because you had guys that could actually catch the ball and good kids and and size. a quarterback who can read quick and throw. But then, I mean, it, you'll be first probably to say, too, not that Brett didn't have a good year or senior year, but it wasn't the same as that junior year. No, he put up monster numbers still, but not the not the record-level numbers that he put up his junior year. I agree with you. A lot of it is just how who you have. Yeah. You know, uh, Brett may have one or two good players, you know, in the backfield. It, it helps when you got a receiver you can catch, too. Or um, you know, they may have one good back. Threat. It helps when you got two good backs. Yeah. You know, so, and that's staying on the defense side of the ball, too. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's really great if I got a great front seven, but if my back end is not very good, uh, if my front seven doesn't get there to the quarterback, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And I know Liam was talking about when we played against us and with Brett, <laughs> we threw the ball over the place. And, you know, it's hard, man, to find four guys who can play defense in the back end, especially when you're playing against a high caliber quarterback like Brett was Yeah, and is. Um, that That's a challenge. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, obviously skill level is going to dictate how you want to do things, but there's only so much you can hide. Yeah. And on top of that, um, if you're trying to make a really deep run, your program may get you good a good amount of wins. Like I always mm-hmm. say that about like Gonzaga Prep, like, you know, Prep's going to win seven or eight games every year at the bare minimum because it's Gonzaga Prep. Yeah. Meaning they're going to be well coached. They're going to be disciplined. Kids know what they're supposed to do. Automatically, you're ahead of the game. They said the only reason why we probably won that game this year against LC, which they had to come back to yeah. win by, I think, like two points, mm-hmm. that they said was strictly a program win. The only reason why Prep won that game is just because of the fact in the end. Yeah. I mean, it it's just... that's not a slight to what Hughes did at Lewis and Clark now mm-hmm. that he's going to be retiring, but it's more of, or from coaching at least, it's, it's, uh, it's more of just... Yeah, prep has done it for so long. Yeah. It also helps when you have continuity in your coaching staff. I was just going to say, that's one of the things you're building over at Lake Mineola. You guys actually have guys that are going to be the same guys next year. Yes, Parham and I, uh, Parham, my offensive line coach, and myself, we've been there together for four years. This was our fourth year coaching. That's a big difference. And then, you know, if we decide, you know, coming back and everything reruns again, that's, that's five years. And when you have the same voices being told, or excuse me, same voices that are telling players what to do. Mm-hmm. That makes a big difference. And then on the defensive side, you got Cody and uh, Coach T. Cody Nevels. Cody Nevels. Cody Nevels. And, uh, and uh, Coach T, right? That, and Coach Wright. 
and coach Wright. and coach Wright. Now, and hey man, so, listen, that's that's the same voices though. I mean, Coach yeah. T now this is second year. This is Wright's fourth year. Uh, coach Walter Banks, the head coach there, has done a really nice job of building continuity in his staff and keeping us there. Um, and really, the only reason why a guy would leave is for a better opportunity up the chain. Um, but you, I mean, you said it. You hit it on it with Prep. Preps had like the same coaching staff for like almost eight seasons. Yeah, I mean, now I got there. I, I graduated right before Bob Cassano got there. Okay, I think he got there. I want to say the year after. Yeah. Like literally the year after, because you had Mark Rippin and sure we'll say Mark Rippin. <laughs> I, uh, and uh, yes, who, Mark Mark Rippin was then, there one day a week, and, and then Carson <laughs> called the plays, right? Uh, Carson and uh, Gavin DeRay. That's right. Yeah, Gavin DeRay. Um, yeah, I mean it. It is. It's tough to find guys who want to be there year after year that are willing to be in that same spot. You got to have a head coach who you want to coach for, mm-hmm. and you got to believe in the program that you're building or continuing to build or continuing to maintain or wherever you're at. Yeah. Um, and you better hope that, you know, as a head coach that you don't lose those guys for as long as you can, but you're also not going to get in their way. Uh, and that's something that Walter Banks has always kind of told me personally that I'm not going to get in your way. If you're trying to get a job somewhere else, I'm going to, you know, say a lot of good things about you and, you know, wish you luck, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to miss you. That's all you want to hear from your head coach. And, uh, it's the same thing with his players. You know, he's going to push him. He's going to push him. And he's going to push them some more. And then right when they get to that breaking point, that's when they kind of realize, oh, I, I can do it. And then he says the same thing to the kids. When they're done, um, I don't want to lose you, but you got to go because it's your fourth year and, you know, there's no mm-hmm. redshirt seniors in high school. So <laughs> they got to move on. And so that's the best compliment you can get when kids are moving on and playing at the next level. It's like, yeah, you know, you like to think he had something to do with that development of that player. So what, what's it like? Because you have it more than I think a school like Prep does, because I think it has something to do with the fact that you're like an open enrollment school district where a kid mm-hmm. that goes to a different school can make a switch fairly easily, more probably easily than here. Yeah. What's 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 it like when they come in, and all of a sudden kids that have been there for two or three mm-hmm. years have to mix with kids who just get there. Yeah. So we had uh we had the, our running back transferred, uh our middle linebacker transferred in. Our um another linebacker transferred in, and our running back's younger brother came in. So with it's it is it called open enrollment? Like they- it's open enrollment. So kids are allowed to go. Theoretically speaking, you want to stay within the county. Yeah. Um, but in reality, it's just about if you can get your kid here to this school, they can come. So it's okay. like Gonzaga Prep almost. Okay. You know, it's like a private school. But it's uh, public school, but it's, yeah. But it's not in a way because first come first serve are the kids who live within that area. Okay. And then typically you usually have some open seats available and okay. this is at every school down there. It's like the wild west down there. Mm-hmm. And as a result, <clears throat> yeah, you get a lot of kids who will transfer in and transfer out. I try, um, I kind of stay away from that whole thing. Yeah. I just look at it like I coach the kids that are in the hallway. Mm-hmm. So if that means that we had a kid here for three years, great. That means we had a kid that just came in here cause they moved in here last month. Fantastic. But what we tell the kids when they first come in, you are going to abide by the hawk way, if you will. Mm-hmm. Or one hawk here, that's what uh, Mama Hawk, our principal, preaches all the time. And then on top of that, um, we are going to, uh, you know, you're going to abide by the rules that Coach Banks throws down. And we as coaches, our job is to abide by those rules and make sure that we uh, give those rules out to the players mm-hmm. and all those things. So... 
I don't know. It's um, but it, I mean, like, it's it, not that difficult because the kids typically, when they come in, they okay. do what they're supposed to do. It's not like we have like a bunch of kids who, oh, I'm not gonna do this, and then they leave. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's not that big of a challenge as long as the majority of your team kind of knows what's going on. Having a minority of kids come in, mm-hmm. meaning just number based, yeah, it's not a problem. If you just you know, this will never happen to Lake Mineola, but if you go to a school and it's like 35 kids and they're all brought from different places and that's a ragtag all-star team, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to have major issues. Okay. Because chances are they're all coming in and looking out for themselves. Yeah. We didn't have that problem. And I think that's a big reason why we made it as far as we did. So. That'd be cool. Now with players, I mean, you talked about some of the kids that you have going on in the next level to play college ball. And we've had a couple of people on the podcast via prep that have gone on and played whether it be just collegially or professionally. What I'm always curious about, and from guys that you've seen, I mean, you got Brett right now in the NFL. Mm-hmm. At what point do you know if you're a guy that goes on collegially or pro, hey, my time's about done. I need to move on past playing football or playing basketball as a profession. I, I was on the phone with Brett on the way back from the Tri-States for about an hour and 20 minutes. And I asked him that question because I know you and I were going to talk about it on the yeah. podcast. And I said is, you know, how many more years do you think you have left? Because I know Brett wants to be a coach at the NFL level. Yeah. And, you know, basically, I don't think he'd have a problem with me saying this, but, you know, as long as he's willing to continue to compete, he wants to play for a long time. Um, I think it's just a matter of if you continue to have the will. So whether it's the will to mentally want to get up, work out every morning, work out every afternoon, watch the film, do all those things, then you're willing to to continue to keep going, whether you're a backup or a starter. Mm-hmm. If your body says like, no mas, then no mas. You just can't, you can't play anymore. Yeah. Um, and then if, if your mind goes, eh, you know, you start wondering, you start thinking about some other things outside of football or any athletic uh, endeavor that you do, maybe you just get to the point where you're like, eh, it's time to maybe move on and go somewhere else or whatever. You know, that's when you should kind of go, maybe football is not really what you should do anymore or any sport that you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but well, I look at it like sometimes like a, a movie star, you know, when they talk <laughs> about the fact that, man, you know, it's such a grind making new projects and new films and it's like, or, you know, staying in shape or look at how good a shape I've gotten. It's like, that's your only job is to wake up, work out yeah. and then, you know, go to studio and, you know, film whatever you're filming at the time. Yeah. To me, it seems so weird to think people to go, you know, I just can't do the grind anymore of working out and it's like. But if that's your only job, why is it? I so would say that it's just a matter of if you love it or not. Okay. I mean, you know this. You've changed jobs. I've yeah. changed jobs. Yeah. Uh, my wife has changed jobs. Mm-hmm. Whether it's because you don't find yourself happy in that spot, or maybe you just find that stuff to be a stepping stone to where you ultimately want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, at one point or another, you're going to get to the point. Like Brady's what 41, 42, still playing yeah. football. He clearly loves and and you know lives and eats and breathes and drinks the mm-hmm. game. Okay. Drew Brees, same way. Right? Yeah. Your favorite quarterback, Phillip Rivers. He does the same thing. Uh, I would say, you know, Favre, same kind of thing. Yeah. I would say a lot of those guys, that's all they know. So I can understand why you would say that because they would say the same thing to you. Like, yeah, I can't imagine doing anything else. Tony Romo. I hate Tony Romo as a football player. I hate it. That's a strong word. I strongly dislike Tony Romo as a football player. You didn't like the Cowboys. I didn't like the Cowboys. Hated them. Yeah. Um, But... I will say this about Romo. I'm sure when he got to the point where his body kind of started breaking down more, 
then he saw that Dak came in and kind of started taking over the, the team and the franchise, if you will, and that was going to be the future. I think Tony kind of looked at it like, all right, well, it's time to move on to the next phase of my life. And then lo and behold, this guy becomes a great, you know, play-by-play guy and a color guy, and he knows the game really well and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And so as a result, I think that's what you're seeing with him. And ironically, I love Tony Romo in the booth. I think everyone just gets to that point where it's kind of go, eh, you know, I'm done. I don't, know. I don't really want to keep playing. I mean, I love the game. It's not that I don't love the game. It's just maybe I could do something else in the game. I think that's why guys go into coaching. It's like, ah, you know, either they've reached their full potential, right? <clears throat> or they just kind of go, you know, my body, I kind of want to be able to walk when I'm 40. Okay, so let me ask you this. So that could also be another reason why. If it's a would you rather question, would you rather walk away from the game and to where you're like, you know, I've had a pretty good run. I've been pretty fortunate injury-wise and, you know, staying healthy. I want to walk away. Or would you rather have the situation where, where you're being told, yeah, we don't want you anymore and none of the other NFL teams or, you know, pro teams, college, want you anymore. You know, you just don't have what it takes. Well, look at uh, Brett Favre. He probably should have stopped playing after that NFC title game for the Vikings. Yeah. He came back and there he is playing in University of Minnesota Stadium and he's walking off not even dressed out you know in a rain-soaked stadium in the freezing cold for a five-win four-win football team is that really how you want to be remembered I would say no not everyone gets to be like John Elway where they all get to leave after winning two Super Bowls or Peyton Manning you know noodle arm who was able to (laughs) win a game because his defense was phenomenal and you know and he'll tell you I mean I'm sure he's even said he even said that he even said that the defense carried him and to be able to walk out winning the Super Bowl. Not everyone's like that. Sometimes you're going to be Eli Manning. You're going to have a guy that's going to get drafted, and basically the writing's on the wall as soon as that you're there. It's like, hey, we drafted Daniel Jones. He's going to be the guy. But you can stay, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like having your home sold, and everyone's moving out, but it's like, you could stay until the, ne- <laughs> the next people are there. Uh, just look at it kind of like you kind of see the writing on the wall. So I think for a lot of these guys, um, I just think that they just kind of know. You just kind of know. Yeah. You just kind of know when your time is done. And I would rather leave a year or two early than a year or two late. That's I why agree. the Patriots are always really good. We're going to get rid of you a year or two early than a year or two late. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why those players, I think sometimes they need someone else to tell them that. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have that, you know, that's what's made them so great. It's also their detriment. They think they can do everything. Yeah. And it's like, no, man, you're 39. Like, you're not the same guy anymore as you were when you were 29. You know? Like, I love Kobe Bryant. I'm a huge Laker fan. But I'll just say... um, Last two years. Yeah, that was awful. It was terrible. And he's great. But at the same time, it's like, eh. Like, Jordan. Man, you're great. Wizards, Jordan? Eh. I don't think anyone's like saying, hey, man, you want to pull up some great Michael Jordan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pull up that last year for the Wizards. Like, I don't think anyone is saying that, you know. Yeah. Hey, man, you want to watch some great Allen Iverson footage? Yeah, man, pull up those Pistons years. <laughs> okay. So I I think that is where, you know, I, I think that's, and that's the same in coaching too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, even as a coach, it's like, how much longer do you want to go? You got some guys that are like Joe, you know, Joe Paterno. Granted, there were some other things that happened there, but the guy had coached for years. I mean, yeah. the guy was like 80 walking on the sideline. Bobby Bowden, same thing. Yeah. You know, who, you know who's going to be the guy that's going to walk in and go, hey, Bobby, we know the Florida State wasn't anything until you got here, 
but we're going to let you go. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, then you get some other coaches that just leave because they just know, I just, just want to do the grind anymore. Like Bill Cowher. Yeah, I don't want to do the, I don't want to do the grind anymore. Jimmy Johnson. I don't want to do the grind anymore. Some guys are like that. Yeah. And other guys just, they can't get away from it. So mm -hmm. whether they do it as a player, player, coach, as a coach, whatever, I just think it's, everyone is different. I'm sure if you ask the guys that you have come on in the alumni thing uh, for all these alumni podcasts that you do, mm -hmm. keep hitting your mic, uh, <laughs> talking to my hands, I'm Italian. The, I just think a lot of these guys really would all have different answers for you. Yeah, no, I think it began to be a little bit more of that for Travis when I spoke with him. That and just I think it's it's that where it's just becomes that grind where, you know, you start thinking, hey, well, I want to have a family. I want to start a life beyond football. So let me you ask know? you, why would you? Because you always ask everyone questions. Yeah. <laughs> why would you, not want to keep playing after high school, at least try to walk on somewhere, like at a small school like a Whitworth or something like that? You probably could have walked yeah. on Whitworth and played receiver there if you wanted to. Yeah, I think it is probably. It, I think everybody's fear is kind of being told you're not good enough, you know? So once you, <laughs> once you probably get to that stage and where, uh -huh. you know, sometimes you can have all the hard work in the world and, you know, that can still not matter or not mean enough to be able to, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the wind outside yeah, is pretty gnarly. Yeah, it's quite a windstorm here. All right. Uh, and uh, we have these barriers around. <laughs> all right, go ahead. And so, yeah, I think that that's, that's a challenge because I think it's a, it's a pride thing where you're like, no one's going to tell me I'm not good enough. And, so why'd you stop playing basketball in high school? And I think that that's probably it too, where you start looking around and you start weighing yourself and you, and you think in yourself, I'll be objective and try and be honest with, am I equal in talent to So you felt like guys? you reached your athletic potential? Yeah, I think I thought I peaked. Um, I mean, and then and that's fair, but at the same time, I what also I would say is sometimes it's being so fearful that you start to create a, create decisions in your head and it prevents you from doing something. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate that you know probably would have been a different story if I would have gone all the way through tryouts again and then been told, hey, you know, Nate, you know, you're probably not a, a varsity now. guy. Yeah, okay, you're probably not a varsity guy. You know, so this is probably end of the road. It's probably easier to take that because at least you know. Yes. But when you make your own decisions, when the thought process of, oh, no, I know, you know, you don't really know. So that's where I probably look at it. That's unfortunate that when you let those thoughts creep in, you know, you lose the potential to be actually emphatic that you made the right decision. Yes, yeah, so so I think a lot of guys kill me. have that different idea, mm -hmm. whether it's in high school, college, pros. You're, you reach it in high school. Yeah. Other kids reach it in college. Other kids reach it in the pro or other people, men, mm -hmm. women reach it in their uh professional level of whatever sport they play in yeah i just feel like that's the same for everybody i think everyone gets to that point whether it's somebody needs to tell them or they tell themselves yeah and it is what it is so so i probably say that you know if you were able to kind of do things over if i were you know i'd rather probably be be told because then i at least know yeah i got told by you know a coach or just you know experiencing it fully I, I couldn't hang kind of thing rather so, than making that decision of I probably can. That's why I should just give up with you. <laughs> just give up and quit. Uh, loser. Uh, with, with, uh, with what you're doing right now with prep, do yeah. you find that this is something that uh, kind of fulfills the things that as a player that you had that you can't have anymore, but maybe this gets as close as you can to that? talking to kids who are going through the same trials and tribulations that you went through mm -hmm. as a player. Yeah, and I think I like what I like about it most is 
you know, when you guys sit down or when I say, say you guys, you and dad sit down and watch a football game, for example. Yeah. You watch it through the lens and the eyes of a coach. Uh-huh. And, you know, dad has talked about where it's like, that's a blessing and a curse. You know, you can't unsee things type thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I've always watched professional sports, collegiate sports, high school sports through the eyes of just a fan. And I think that that's been fun to where rather than looking at that as something like, oh man, I don't amount to as much as you or dad. It's more like, no, I want to embrace that. Like yeah. I love just going and watching a game and feeling the excitement. You know, there were games this year where, you know, dad didn't even go to the prep game and I just went or he watched it at home and I went and watched it down on the field. It's just a feeling you get where it's like, you know, fourth and fourth and goal on the yes. one and the team gets a stop and you get that feeling of like, yeah, you know, you're associated with mm. that. And so I think that that, I'm not saying that I wasn't an ever an athlete, but I don't think I was ever going to be, you know, the best of any what sport. But with this, it's like I get the opportunity to kind of find out more about guys that are the best in their mm-hmm. sport, and that's fun. And find out, hey, what are you struggling with? And that's remarkable that you're overcoming that and still playing football, still yeah, playing basketball. I agree. And then same thing with coaches. I kind of be able have the ability to relate because of being around you and dad for so many years. I know what question would be phrased as something that's like, oh, it's probably a good question or that's really dumb. I'm probably not going to ask that because, you know, I've, I've asked you guys that question before and you've uh-huh. looked at me like, okay, really? Are you serious about that one kind of yeah. thing? So I think that that's been fun and rewarding from the sense of it's more of my strength to be able to just sit down and have a conversation and talk about the bigger picture of sports because I've never been like an X's and O's guy. Gotcha. I've never been able to go, hey, that's a cover three right there. It's been more, you know, you scored that touchdown and, you know, you're going to playoffs. How does that make you feel? Or, you know, describe what you're feeling right now. And I genuinely care and I, I want to share in that for who I, whoever I'm interviewing. Yeah. Because no, it's like fair. I get that feeling like, yeah, I can feel what you're talking about. You're reaching me and you're reaching other people. And I want people to hear that type of thing. Fair. So I gotcha. think that's been a lot of fun. And even with you, I mean, it's, you know, it's been fun to ask you and dad here and there where it's like, hey, you know, this game just got done. What questions should I ask Mac? Yeah. Or, you know, what should I ask him this week leading up to a big game? And it's been fun for you guys as coaches to be able to tell me, hey, you know, you probably want to ask something along the lines as this. And it's given me insight to go, okay, yeah. And, you know, think of follow-ups based on kind of big picture ideas that you guys have given me. So that's that's really cool. Like gotcha. it's it's been a lot of fun. So I'm thankful for that. For yeah, sure. This is this year has been a lot of fun covering the football team. Uh huh. And well, you got other sports you're going to be covering? Basketball, yeah. So okay. girls and boys, uh, we'll do both, uh, and it will be a little bit easier to cover both, just because of the fact they usually play back to back, where uh, sometimes the girls will play first and then the boys kind of thing. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I know that used to kind of work that way. Yeah. So that will kind of make it manageable to kind of just be there for both games. That's cool. Um, now, you, you mentioned Brett, and we kind of got away from it quickly, but I, I want to know, was there any stories? You know, he's been in the NFL this year for, what, 11, <laughs> Stories that, weeks? unfortunately, will probably stay with me. <laughs> but I would say that I think the one thing that Brett has found yeah. is that no matter what level that you play at, yeah, high school, pros, or college, um. Not necessarily in that order. The uh, problems stay the same. Yeah. Coaching philosophies, uh, 
player interactions player interactions can can guys get along with their teammates you know how's the locker room how's the vibe of the locker room um can you relate to your coaches as a player mm-hmm. that stuff is the same even in the pros so it's not a shock when you see perennial losers and granted denver's not a perennial loser but when you see perennial losers like my team the washington redskins <laughs> because they don't you know they just don't have that continuity I mean, yeah. when we talk about Gonzaga Prep, why they're always really good because they have continuity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been established. What has been established in DC? Um, <laughs> futility would be one, I guess. So I guess they're doing a heck of a job maintaining that traditional year to year thing that they do. So, yeah, but I mean, I think what he has found is it's obviously a very cutthroat business. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays a position that is very polarizing at quarterback, yeah. and only one guy could play at a time. Yeah. So it's not like it's a rotational thing, like as a running back or a receiver, um, where you know you have anyone an opportunity on the to go play. Anyone yeah. on the defense, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, if you're in the top six or seven on the defensive line, and you run a four three or whatever, you're, you're probably going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not the same as a quarterback. So he'll probably get a chance somewhere down the line. I think his the one thing that will always save Brett is his uh, acumen. He just really knows the game. Mm-hmm. It's re- I mean, he's really bright. Uh, and uh, when he and I talk, he dives into X's and O's sometimes. And it, even for me as a coach for varsity football now for almost 15 years, I keep looking at him and saying like, okay, Brett, okay, just tell me why I didn't make the throw. Like why <laughs> sit there and, you know, well, you see, I was going to, but the direction of the sun, it's like, all right, no, he's not that bad. But sometimes I just want to look at him and be like, you know, it's like, man, you really know a lot. The key is, can you relate it to the guy you're trying to throw it to? Yeah. That's the key. Mm-hmm. And that's the same for any coach. You know, you could talk X's and O's as much as you want talks. You can talk X and O's with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, can you relate it to the kids? It's like being a teacher. Yeah. I can build a rocket. Yeah. Can the kid build the rocket though? <laughs> well, no. Okay. Well, then it doesn't matter how smart you are. Like, that's where I've always kind of laughed in the faces of teachers that when you look at certain teachers and go, oh man, they're they're so smart. And they're good mm-hmm. players. Oh, man, they're so smart. And it's like, yeah. Can they still throw? No. It's okay. It's fantastically smart. He should be taking stats on the sideline then. <laughs> like, that's, that's the kind of thing that uh, I always seem to struggle with with people in general. Mm-hmm. I don't really care how intelligent you are. I care about can you relate it to other people? And can you kind of put it out there for everybody to see and make it relatable? Mm-hmm. In football, you got to be able to do that. And in teaching, you got to be able to do that. In light and a lot of things in life, with again, unless you're building a rocket, you know. But at the end of the day, the guy that's driving, you know, that's you know steering the ship, if you will, he needs to know how that ship works, not just the dude at NASA who built it. Like yeah. that's why I have always said to people, you, you got to be able to relate, mm-hmm. know the room, know the temperature of the room, and can you relate? So with Brett, and he and he has said that's a hard thing for some coaches. Can they relate to the players they have? Yeah, these guys making multi-million dollars, you know, every year. And not all of them finish school. Well, it's not just, yeah. I mean, it's not just that element. I would say the biggest element is I'll, I'll do what you tell me to do. But if it's not, if it's not uh, translating to wins on Sundays, you're going to lose me. But that, I think, is the same even in high school. That's it's hard point. to look at a kid and say, you know, get down and do 100 yards of bear crawls. It's like, coach, we're 0 and 8. <laughs> like, you get down and do bear crawls. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm not saying a kid, I mean, I've seen kids flat out challenge coaches like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it typically comes when, like, but if you're 8 no, successful, yeah. yeah. And you say, do bear crawl, you're probably not going to have to do bear crawls anyway, because that's the yeah. reason why you're 8 no. But mm-hmm. if you do make a mistake and a coach tells you to do something, chances are, yeah, that kid's going to get down and do it. Why? Because it's working. 
Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what he has seen even in the pros. It's if it's working, man, everyone buys in. Everyone's all about team. Everyone loves it. Yeah. Soon as you start getting a little adversity and you haven't shown it yet prior to that, you know, Belichick may have a down year, but he's got a lot of these rings mm-hmm. that he has on his fingers that he can just look at him and go, do what I say. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, okay, you know, I don't have any. So that sounds good. But he has, the, he has that. And I think for Brett, when he looks at some of these other guys, it's kind of like, you know, there's only like three or four guys that are holdovers from that Super Bowl winning team. Wow. And unfortunately, those guys are in their prime and they want to win. Well, Denver's three and eight, you know, and I'm just speculating. I'm not, I'm not going to say what Brett necessarily exactly said, but I will just yeah. tell you that it would not be disagree with the people that are in that locker room that would say it's tough to get everyone to kind of buy in when you're, when you're losing. Yeah. Um, well, and I think, that but that's... I don't think there's, I don't think there's at any way at, in, at any form did he, uh, remotely say something like that. I think the biggest thing for him is he just says things like, you know, it's funny how football's football. Mm-hmm. And that's true. And it doesn't matter if you're, like I said, high school all the way up, Pop Warner all the way up, football's football. Yeah. Grown men or kids, it doesn't matter. They still make the same mistakes on the field. You know, it's just a different level of mistake, but they so, still make the same mistakes. So for an offense like yours, which people would describe as pretty fun, I mean, like kids come because you the fact that you throw the football typically and um, you spread spread the ball around. Yeah, it's not try just to spread heavy. the wealth. Um, for them, would it is it more just I'm going to listen to them because this offense is fun and I've seen it on Friday nights, or is it because of the fact of, hey, no, he knows what he's talking about and I think you it's know, that, and I'm also I build relationships with my players. Yeah, I can challenge a player on my team. Not to say that any coaches on my team can't do this, but yeah. I'll just speak for me. I can get players to do what I want them to do the majority of the time because I've gotten to know that kid. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to yell at a kid this way compared to yelling at a kid this way because I know their personalities. That's where, as a coach, you kind of have to, um, no different as a teacher, you just have to, you just got to get to know your kids. If I don't get to know my kids and I'm yelling at my kids left and right, and then I get angry because they're not doing what I tell them to do. It's like, well, did you even get to know them? Do you even know anything about them? Mm-hmm. Or are you just looking at them as just a player? If that's the case, especially in high school where their psyches are a little bit more fragile than obviously professional athletes are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that could be a big challenge. I would say that, yeah, the proof has been in the pudding. We averaged 40 a game this year. <clears throat> and we had 28 beforehand uh, the year before, and we averaged 40 this year. Um, we had a, an explosive offense, averaged 400 yards of offense. We did a lot of good things. We put five or six teams in a running clock. We did a lot of good things, but I would say that that all happened because just the amount of hours I put into getting to know those kids. Mm-hmm. So that way in a game, if I look at a kid, like my kids and I had this running joke, even after we would win a game, they were, they knew, uh, they would come up to me instead of saying, Hey coach, great game. Or they would expect me to go up and go great game. They would go, Hey, we had a punt once. <laughs> and I go, Yeah. I got a pun once and they go, you're not happy, are you? And I go, nope, not happy about that at all. <laughs> and what it showed was um, they knew what made me tick. Yeah. And then in, in a way, that's what made them tick. Uh, that's why that last game is such a bad taste in our mouth. We're only scoring seven points. That's not who we are. Yeah. So when you, when you have that as your lasting image at the end of the year, the first thing I told our kids at the end of the season, our offensive guys, was that scoreboard does not dictate how I feel about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shouldn't dictate how you feel about the season, but they're a competitive guy. And unfortunately that's probably what they are going to think of. Um, when I was coaching at, when I was coaching at Shadle, 
and we lost to Bellevue 66 to nothing <laughs> uh, in the state semis. And everyone's like, hey, yes, we're all going to go to the game. You know, it's in Spokane, state semis, Shadow, Big Bad Bellevue. And it's like, yeah, the Big Bad Bellevue because they have like three dudes that are playing in the NFL right now. <laughs> yeah, Buddha. Um, and I told Brett after the game, same thing. You know, we just kind of, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we laughed it off. Mm-hmm. But in the offseason, you just kind of go, yeah, that was a that was a trip to the woodshed. I mean, that was a... <laughs> curb stomping that we got i mean it was it was bad but i mean at the same time you just kind of go dude it's bellevue like yeah. they did that 70 some odd times in a row mm-hmm. so it wasn't like it was just shadow that they did that too you know but again as a competitive guy that's a game you remember a lot of times you remember the losses more than the wins yeah i bet you if you ask any of these guys that come on your podcast even the guys that won that state title the losses if they did have a loss that probably sticks out more to them Mm-hmm. Maybe some little details than maybe even a major win. Yeah. What I have found at least with high competitive guys, you got it. You got, you know, because that's what drives you to be so great. Mm-hmm. I don't think Nick Saban sits there and looks at his rings and his trophies and goes, yeah, just look how great I am. Yeah. I think what he looks at is he lost to LSU. That's a problem, you know, <laughs> and you know, you go from there. Um, that's what makes them so great. So I would say that with our offense, we we will have enough firepower to run this stuff. I think a lot of kids, yes, know of what we do at our school. Yeah. I think incoming freshmen saw what we did, and they're like, oh, man, I can't wait to play on that offense. Mm-hmm. But as I tell kids all the time, that, that started in January. That yeah. wasn't like, yeah, man, week one. I just was like, hey, guys, thanks for showing up. Let's all throw the ball around, all right? Coach, I'm going deep. Go deep, yeah. <laughs> Let me draw this here with a stick in the dirt real quick. Let me show you what play I ran. Like, it's just the kids don't do that kind of stuff, so – it starts um, in January with the annexation of Puerto Rico. Yeah, exactly. Like little giants. <laughs> uh, so, but that's the fun stuff. I, I, in all honesty, Nate, I mean, I love coaching in games. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I love the atmosphere of games. Yeah. That is not the most fun I have coaching. Yeah. I like watching film with my kids. They probably don't, but I do. <laughs> I like, uh, I like the, the June and July months really enjoy those months as a coach because that's when I really get my hands dirty and really develop them as players. Yeah. Um, I, I like those moments. I like getting together with coaches for meetings and talking about what we want to do. It's the, it's the analytics side that I like where you really have to analyze things about what you want to do and everything, yeah. the critical thinking. So when you get to the game, person to put in at that point, now it's up to the kids. For them, that should be the most fun. Yeah. For me, I'm just calling a play. I'm not saying I'm just calling any play. I was calling a play and let them go run it <clears throat> and it's all set up hopefully and they got to execute. Um, but they do usually tell me that, you know, we notice that you don't really show a lot of emotion on the sideline, which is ironic because anybody who knew me 10 years ago was the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Like I was a madman yeah. on the sideline. <laughs> and now it's like we score a touchdown. And I immediately start walking to their side thinking about the next drive. And that's because I don't have that luxury as an offensive coordinator. Like I got to think, okay, what are we doing next? And, uh, um, and I tell the guy up in the booth, quit cheering. What are we doing next? You know, coach, we're up 30. doesn't matter. I want to be up 40. Like, I'm always about trying to put up as many points as I can. Yeah. We won one game 75 to 6 this year. At halftime, when we were up, I forgot what the score was. It was a lot. It was like 40-something. I told our kids, I want 70. And our kids were like, <laughs> I go, I'm like, hey, man, it's high school football. Like, yeah. go score. Yeah. Like, if you really preach getting better every play, go get better every play. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, did I actually think they were going to do it? N- no, <laughs> but they did it. And I would, and it wasn't anything dirty or malicious or anything like this. Went to go execute. That's what you do. 
And if if I lost seventy five to six, first of all, if I lost seventy five to six, I wouldn't be probably the offensive coordinator <laughs> anymore there. But if I lost seventy five to six, I probably would say we deserve to lose seventy five to six. That's mm-hmm. on us. So I, I've never believed in the whole running up the score. That's oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's like, dude, it's it's a scoreboard. Like if it holds those numbers on those keys, I'm putting those numbers up there. Mm-hmm. So then your job is to stop me. You know that's what you worked all week for, right? Yeah. So all that being said. Um, I think our kids get really excited. Yeah. About our offense, but they know when they go play for me, you're going to have to think, okay. You're going to have to think you're going to have to work. You're going to mm-hmm. have to execute and you're going to have to give up some lunches. Yeah. Cause at lunchtime, they come up to my room three times a week and we sit film. and eat lunch together and we watch film, um, or we get on the whiteboard and I quiz kids while they're eating their tater tots and chicken nuggets or whatever that is that the cafeteria is throwing down that day. I just tell kids all the time, like you're going to have to work on this side of the ball. Yeah. Not to say our defense doesn't, but on, I can just speak from offense. They know when they mm-hmm. come to play for me, it's like, yeah, Coach Albert's going to make you work, both mentally and physically. And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, I think kids get very excited about that. But you know about prep? Yeah. I think, I think people get excited to play at prep because they know they're going to they're gonna be successful probably mm-hmm. on the field. Yeah, I don't think kids go home at night and dream about stock blocking. Mm-hmm. But I would say that I, I do think that they probably go home and think, well, I'm going to win. Yeah. Be you a know. part of uh, something bigger than me. And- yeah. I mean, and, and truth be told, if you're, if you're catching eight balls a game, but you're two and eight, you're not going to remember that. Yeah. You're going to remember you got annihilated eight <laughs> games. Uh, if you go and you play a prep and you're like, I may have caught one ball. Like how many catches do you have at Gonzaga prep? Zero. Okay. <laughs> that being said, you got to play in big games. Yeah, I did. You know, you got to play in that Ferris prep atmosphere at the end of the year, which meant for, I believe it's for the GSL title, right? Yeah. Kind of the de facto GSL title. Mm-hmm. You got to play in that game. Yeah. If you were playing another school and you may have played receiver somewhere else and may have caught 35, 40 passes that mm-hmm. year and won one game, I don't think you'd be walking around here having a podcast at that school. No. That's true. You see what I'm saying? It's, I, I did have two PI calls that if I wouldn't have been interfered with, I, I believe, probably would have caught it. I believe also in the Ferris game, you didn't have an opportunity to catch the ball on a surprise onside. Oh, man. That was brutal. <laughs> yeah. Came right to me in that, in that, that just second hop and then boom. Yeah, man. Right they're the they're tricky. They'll get you. They man, will get you. I was even right on the uh, Ferris sideline, too. So fighting for that ball down at the bottom was not fun. I would say, yeah, they were big boys. I yeah. would say that, but see, again, those are those are things that stick out to you. Yeah. Because you're a competitive guy, and that's because mm-hmm. you play in a competitive program. Yeah. Uh, that's how we're wired. Mm-hmm. I mean, we as athletes who have had success on the field, that's how yeah. we're wired. So as I look at this uh, beautifully framed photo here of Dad with the Sports <laughs> oh, Illustrated, God. yeah. Uh, uh, caption to where we've actually had people come over and say, your dad was on Sports Illustrated. Um, no, yeah. it was created, uh, but he might as well have been the dude. Coach. No, man. No way, man. Jim Trotter went out there and interviewed him. <laughs> um, so 33 years, dad coached. For you, said you've only almost been 15. At what point in your career as a coach did it stop being, man, I kind of want to be the coach that dad was to I want to be the best Grant Alford as a coach? Uh, probably when I came, when I went to Shadle. I would say when I went to Shadle Park, it kind of changed a little bit for me. You have to kind of find your own voice. And I will say even more so when I moved from here mm-hmm. and moved down to Florida. Besides the fact that I'm able to wear shorts 365 down there, <laughs> I would say the other thing is uh, 
I never felt like I could really grow outside of myself if I was still in Spokane. Yeah. So no matter what kids I developed or anything like that, I always kind of felt like I was in the shadow. Mm -hmm. If I moved away and developed myself on my own, now when I come back to visit, you know, I can kind of come back on my own two feet and say like, I did this. That is when I really started seeing the difference in my coaching. So, um, there's some similarities to my dad and I, when we coach, I mean, granted mm-hmm. my dad's a smart aleck and so am I. Yeah. So obviously when we coach with our players and stuff like that, there's probably a lot of the stuff that I do that reminds people of my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess of our dad. I, uh, I know that, uh, um, but I would say just in terms of maybe like how we view the game yeah, and how we call plays, that's different. Dad is far more um, conservative. He says he likes throwing the ball. I think he's a liar. I think he, I think he likes throwing the ball only if the guy's going to be wide open by 45 yards. <laughs> if you're looking at, if you're looking at the, uh, uh, me, I'm all about trying to be aggressive and a guy's open. If it's got six inches, he's open, yeah. you know, so that came from playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, you know, playing for my dad, obviously, you know, some of that's going to rub off on me and how I coach. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of similarities. I think our values are the same though. That that won't change. Yeah. You know, how we develop kids, building relationships. My you know, our dad was all into that. Mm-hmm. So I'm all into that. Yeah. Um <clears throat> you talk about those kind of things all the time. I mean, obviously that's a big that's a big, big, big thing that we believe in. You gotta develop a relationship with a kid. And dad said that day one, and I've said that day one. Um, but maybe in terms of what we run, yeah, he wasn't running shotgun four wide. I'm running that. Mm-hmm. But I think if dad coached today and he was given the keys to an offense, he'd probably run something like that too. Mm-hmm. Even though how many times I watch college football with him or you watch college football and it's like, oh, everyone's the same offense. Everyone runs spread four and five wide. I'm like, yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The ball going in the air and guys going up and catching it and running as fast as they can into the painted end zone. Isn't that kind of neat? You know, <laughs> instead of watching John Riggins run 50 gut to the left and to the right, like that kind of stuff. I mean, it's really neat in 82 when the shoulder pads were like five times the size of their bodies, but I don't understand that mentality as much anymore. And so I think that's probably where our similarities end is Mm -hmm. when we start developing offenses and stuff, that's where we change. Mm -hmm. But in terms of our values, it's always the same. But you, you don't think uh, over the course of your career, you ever ran from, I want to get out of dad's shadow. No, I, th- I think it was mostly, I think I'm probably talking more professionally speaking, yeah. like as a teacher and also just, you know, providing yeah. for my family. Mm-hmm. When you live by parents, at least for me speaking, uh, you know, my dad and my mom really helped provided a, a great home and foundation for me while I was still trying to find who I was throughout my twenties. And, uh, it took a little while for me. Mm-hmm. So then when I got married and now, you know, we have a daughter and all that kind of stuff. It now it's more like, all right, you know, um, I don't think I'd be able to, to, to look the same way as I do in the mirror now if I didn't move. Yeah. And that is only because, you know, one thing I always tell our parents is, you know, you guys moved, mm-hmm. you developed yourselves and yeah. who you are. Do you think you would have done that same thing if your parents were right over your shoulder? Probably not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They don't want to hear that because they want us close. So I get yeah. it. And we just chose to live in a state that literally is on the opposite <laughs> end of the country. Um, but all that being said, I just felt like that was something we needed to do. It wasn't a runaway. It was mm-hmm. like, I just need to build. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that here. Yeah. Um, 
and I felt like I kind of tapped out a little bit as a coach here. Yeah. Kind of felt like until I become a teacher and I'm an on-campus guy, as an off-campus guy, you're going to be limited. Yeah. No, and and Florida is a little bit easier to jump through some hoops to become a teacher. And so that's the other reason why I had to move there too, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway. So uh, one more crack at it (laughs) uh, as far as uh, football goes uh, for the season, for you at least, probably for 2019. We'll be out there tomorrow. Plan. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, besides, besides not trying to get hurt, what's usually your main goal when you go out there and you That plan is my main goal now. <laughs> I have to make sure I don't pop an Achilles, knock on wood. That is, I am like absolutely petrified of just taking a drop and immediately just feeling somebody kick me in the shin. I'm just realizing <laughs> not only is today over, but the next nine months is over. Uh, no, I would probably say the number one thing is just have fun and try yeah. not to fight. That always seems to be an issue. Like, there's always a major argument that always happens in the game, and it's always kind of like, you know. It always ends anticlimactically <coughs> for that reason, where it's like a fight ends it, and then it's just like, well, I guess it's over. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> granted, we've had some pretty good turkey bowls. We have. Uh, including last year or two years ago, I think it was. Yeah, I came up here yeah, two years ago, yeah. Steve Ferraro got beat for the game-winning touchdown. Who beat him? I, I forget. Oh, it was, it was the smallest Lanou, I thought. Yeah, no, that was awesome. <laughs> no, that I'm was not, awesome. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That was a fantastic way to, to win a game. Uh, good for him. And Steve, he could put that on a resume, <laughs> and he can go around and tell everybody I beat Steven Ferraro. Unbelievable touchdown. On a go route, man. On a go route, which is just, you know, Steven fell asleep at the wheel a little bit. He'll tell you that. Every great DB will fall asleep at the wheel from time to time. Um, I, You know, primetime gave some touchdowns at one point. So I would say that that, and then, you know, we've played in the snow. Oh, that's right. We've, uh, we've played with family. We've played with friends. We've played with guys that I was hard to believe we were friends with. And they're just <laughs> bodies to come out. Um, Who are you again? Yeah. It's kind of like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. that one guy. Glad you brought him. <laughs> um, but all that being said, I, I think uh, it's always a lot of fun because you don't know how many more years you could do all this stuff. Yeah. So every year you kind of take advantage. I mean, let's get overly sentimental. Mm-hmm. But basically, you know. It's one of the few times that you get together, like Hoop Fest is kind of like that or was yeah. like that for me when I played. You kind of, you know, it's like that's one time you get together and play, just hang out, joke around, blah, 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 and freeze to death. So tomorrow will be pretty fun. Uh, some new additions we've got, obviously, since they coached this year. I feel like prep. you're saying this on a podcast so that way everyone will come out and support and cheer. Exactly. We uh, want to build okay. a crowd out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, we don't need a crowd out there. So, but uh, it'll be cool. I'm going to get some new faces like Liam Bell, Connor McKenna, uh, and then, you know, some old returning faces like Matthew Delgado. He'll be stretching the field. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Delgado. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then, you know, big game, Shano out there. Shano Mack. Shano Mack will be out there. All right. Um, and then... Uh, couple other guys that i'm blanking on right now but i mean at pat really important pat, guys well pat richard it, it's been long long pat coming. Richard coming back to spokane oh wow coming How good uh, for him mr vino yeah he'll leave the wine at home hopefully <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah so every every snapchat or a uh instagram story of see of that man now is just a picture of a table with like eight yes. different wines in yes. a row <laughs> he is Gonzaga Preps Drew Bledsoe. He is all in in the vino. You know, I'm really happy that Sideways has inspired him to be able to get to where he's gotten to now. But at the same time, it's like Pat, man. 
<laughs> I remember that you used to come up to the house and eat grilled cheeses and watch Entourage. So let's just calm it down with where you're at right now. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I leave the blindfolds. You know, you know, you don't need to smell anything on the field. You can just In the go spit ahead. bucket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that will be good. Hopefully, we get Stefan out there. He had told me he's a game time decision, so I don't really know what that's all about. Stefan. Phil Wilson? Wilson, yes. All right. Well, Stefan's always a game time decision. <laughs> um, I think that's his life mantra: game time decision. And then the the, <laughs> the other thing I'm looking forward to is every year we can always count on more than one Lanou. So this year it's Lanou times three. Oh boy! So we got at least three Lanous coming. Eventually they're they're gonna have kids, and then they're just gonna all show up, and they'll just be the Lanous versus everybody. Um, no, man, I have to say this thing's kind of a neat thing because it's kind of taken a life of its own a little bit. I know we played prior to you graduating. Yeah. And uh I had kids I had friends of mine that would come play. Yeah. And then it's kind of veered off into friends of yours that come play. Yeah. Now I'm like the oldest guy. <laughs> which never thought that was gonna be me, but here I am. Like that dude. All that's missing is a couple knee braces with the holes in them <laughs> and the striped socks going all in. Like, you know, wearing the bike shorts out there. <laughs> Letting everybody know you can't buy these anymore. Yeah, I still got them. Um Wearing the tie-dye shirt. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I, uh, it's a really neat thing, though. And, you know, granted, no offense, would have much rather been getting ready for the state semis. Yeah. But this is a nice consolation prize, to say the least. And that's the last thing I'd probably say, that you spoke a lot about it, and obviously being products of prep and all of that, we have these turkey bowls every year because of the fact that you know, guys that you went to school with, guys I went to school with, guys that you coached. I mean, it's that community that we kind of have that kind of bring people together that at least for one thing, for one time a year, for two hours, we can kind of laugh. Two hours. <laughs> Good Lord, man. That is a long time. All right. Are we playing 100 yards? Jeez Louise. Is there a halftime? And uh, <laughs> who's the halftime show? <laughs> I think your daughter's coming to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she's gonna walk. Gosh darn it, walk. For yeah, sure. <laughs> that'll be the halftime show. Her taking two steps. I, uh, I would say, I did not appreciate the continuity that Gonzaga Prep has to offer until the further I've gotten away from graduating. Yeah. Um. I think because when I first, I think most kids are this way. When you graduate, you're like, I just want to get out of here. Yeah. And now when you graduate and you move on, and then you start doing your own thing, and social media obviously has helped. Cut, can you? keep things connected mm -hmm. i don't understand why there's high school reunions anymore it's kind of a waste of time <laughs> it's like hey man so what'd you do yesterday <laughs> like you know so i went to the store yesterday so that was kind of cool um home depot yeah so uh it's gonna be a big day i i think i think the gonzaga prep network has really added a lot to its uh to uh, I'm trying to find a word for it. Basically, it's really expanded. Yeah. And it's been really impressive. And I know social media has helped. You doing a podcast, you doing a podcast has helped. Mm -hmm. You uh just keep hitting the mic, man. Golly. <laughs> you uh, you know, uh organizing the Turkey Bowl still yeah. and being back here in town. But, you know, now with you being able to have the ability to call people on the phone, do a podcast yeah. stuff, you're staying connected. Mm -hmm. And then like I said, just Everything else that Gonzaga Prep has to offer, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to feel like I literally am going to school on Monday at Gonzaga Prep when I show back on that campus tomorrow. So it's, <laughs> I don't know, it'll be, it, it's a very cool thing. But like I said, I, I've, I'm jealous that 
not every school has that. Yeah. Because Lake Mineola doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. Granted, the oldest alumni is 25, but we don't have that. Yeah. Uh, but you guys do. You know, not every school has, can say Bing Crosby <laughs> went to their school. Well, so. uh, here's the last thing. Uh, the, uh, uh, I was just going to say the, uh, oh, one last thing for you. Uh, the commitment has to be you come to the alumni basketball tournament in 2020. I believe it's going to be in April. We need to find a way to make that happen. I'll try, man. The new Bullpup Arena, uh, the Nick Scarpelli gym that's had a makeover, uh, needs Do they some... have stands on both sides now? They do finally oh, have stands oh, on both sides. So and... everyone sits on the stage. <laughs> that's really fun. Uh, so we need uh, that gym to be christened with some 40-footers. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll see, especially because that will be either coming right off the heels or right before the faculty game we have. And I blew the last time we played, <laughs> and I absolutely need to play better. So if that means getting a warm-up beforehand or maybe, like, bookending it with that game, so that would be like, oh, man, that's a great weekend right on top of what I just was able to pull off at the faculty game. So, yeah, yeah man, so absolutely. It's, it, guys, that I, here's my goal. I want to I want to reunite the classic uh, Hoofest team, Kowarkovsky. Okay, uh, are we playing Dan half Cronin. court or full court? Because I don't know if some of those guys can move up and down the court as so, well as we used to. So Kowarkovsky, Dan Cronin, uh, Chris Poppy, you. I know that was the four for Hoofest. Yeah, but until I Ryan Murphy took over Chris Poppy's. And so, place, and then yeah. Murph. Those five at least. That is my goal. Hey man, for the five alumni. years in a row, we made it to the finals in, in Hoofest. One so three of them. You you guys will be reunited hopefully. Yeah. So we'll see if we can make it happen. Yeah, that's a big time. We'll see if we can make it happen. <laughs> I got a lot of calls. All right. Sounds good, man. <laughs> so uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, love you, buddy. And uh, let's enjoy the Turkey Bowl tomorrow. And... Anytime. I can't wait to come back on the podcast a year from now the ne or even like six <laughs> months from now, be able to get to sit in Studio B, Studio B. Yeah, exactly. All Plug right. in the alumni tournament, all right? Sounds so, good. Hey, uh, safe travels back to Florida. All right, buddy. Thanks.